When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow, and wherever you're listening from, it's great to have you with us. Did you know that all our previous episodes are available to listen to for free, anytime you like? You did? Good. Because I wouldn't want you to miss out on book pictures from the likes of, I don't know, David Mitchell, Pam Ayres, Jane Smiley, Musa Akwonga, Chris Brookmeyer, Daisy Buchanan, Simon Mayo, McCarran, Oinkin Braithwaite, S.J. Watson, Will Dean, Michael Connolly, C.J. Tudor, Ryan Gattis, Claire McIntosh, Emma Donoghue, Ian Rankin and many others. So that's very good. Anyway, enough of that. On to today's episode and let's meet our two guests who'll be going head to head in a war of the words a little later on. My first guest is a Mercury-nominated singer-songwriter who has released 15 albums over two decades. She doesn't look old enough. Her latest is a collaboration with the former Poet Laureate Carol Ann Duffy, which I believe is coming out a bit later in the year. She's also written many songs for other people and tutors at several songwriting workshops. Here to tell us about her debut novel, The Ormering Tide, it's Catherine Williams. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> good thank you and all the better for speaking to you too uh, and our second guest is a writer whose work has appeared in esquire vogue paris review the guardian and the new yorker her first novel the last kings of sark won shakespeare and company's literary prize were and her second novel dreamland came out earlier this year here to talk about that is rosa ranky g welcome to you hello i really like that Ooh, it was good <laughs> Oh, Shakespeare and Company, don't you know? Thank you very much. Yeah. Chill out. Because <laughs> you, um, well, firstly, h- how are you both? It's lovely to have you here. We're good. And I think actually, Joe, um, it would be worth full disclosure, Catherine and I saying how we know each other too. Yeah. you. I mean, you are mates, right? You are actual proper mates. Well, well Catherine, <laughs> do you agree to that? I do, from yes, my side. Yes, I absolutely, 100% do agree to that. But I met Catherine, um, she was my teacher on an Arvon course. This is like just a quick like shout out for the amazing organisation, which is Arvon Life-Changing Courses. But yeah, she was my teacher and I was like teacher's pet bringing apples to her every day <laughs> to leave outside her her bedroom creepily but yeah so that's how that's how we know each other and Catherine is the most amazing teacher as well as having 
has, having made 15 albums, which is actually frankly unfair <laughs> for a human being who's not Stop 150. It. I'm actually there next week. Um, I go, I drive down on Sunday all the way from Newcastle right down to past Exeter. So that's a nine oh, hour wow. joyous journey. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it yeah. for when you get there though, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is amazing. And we were sort of brought together by our mutual friend David Ford, the extremely talented singer-songwriter, who sort of uh, emailed me and, and said, oh, you should you should talk to my friends Kath and Rosa. So I assume he met you also on one of these retreats. He was my other teacher, yeah. Ah. So Kath was better, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. David, if you're listening, thank you so much. We love you. We're giving you a hug through the air. A safe, <laughs> a safe one, then. Yeah, and he's my he's my guest um, on the week coming next week, so I'm going to see him in Arvon again. So that's great. Oh, fantastic! Can't wait. He's, oh, he we've each he's been amazing. paid twelve pounds fifty to shout out Arvon this much on a podcast. <laughs> so. That's about what you get paid for the week. I think I need to ask Arvon for a little bit of cash for the uh, you know <laughs> the platform that they're getting here. But anyway, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, well, it's it's great to have you both here. It's great that you are mates, and I'll tell you why because that often leads to a much more competitive book off. It seems that when my guests know each other, there's this sort of um, inbuilt uh, competitiveness that that comes out later. Are you are you expecting that? Well, this is the thing because normally it's like in a studio, right? And that, and when you do that, you can bring weapons of certain varieties, (laughs) like physical ones, and that's 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 difficult that we don't have that. But as 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 we discussed before, I am willing to make sound effects while Catherine's talking, try and derail her in any way possible, and send her abusive mail afterwards too from like various personas that I'll have invented. So, yeah. She's texted me a tit pick just to try yeah. and put me off already. <laughs> um, she's 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 evil. She's, and you know and she, she really sent wants me just this win. One, just for mystery, yeah. <laughs> oh well, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this goes a little later on. This, of course, for anyone listening who hasn't heard the podcast before, is where each of my guests gets three minutes uninterrupted on our clock to tell us about a book they love and they think that we should all read. We will get to that a little later. We'll also be asking about what you've read and enjoyed recently. But first, I'd like to talk about your two latest novels. Um, Dreamland, Rosa, is your latest book, as I mentioned. Um, Could you just set up the story for us? Um, It's set in Margate in a not-too-distant future. Yeah, give us the the elevator tease. So, um, actually... I, I, you kind of when the book comes out it came out in April you talk about it a lot and then I've kind of it's like fallen out of my mind so I'm like oh god what's that book about again <laughs> um it is set in very very close future close to home future in yeah in Margate um and it's about a young girl called Chance who's seven years old when her mum takes a cash grant to leave London they've been living in, in bedsits and they can no longer afford it there they take a cash grant to move to um the coast now the Margate that is experiencing a kind of warp speed gentrification of today 
we're coming out onto the other side of that. Um, there are frequent blackouts, the hotels are empty again, and that's because sea level is rising. Um, so this is the kind of situation that the family find themselves in when they arrive. And if all of that sounds very bleak, which I can't deny it is at times, it's also a love story um, and family drama and yeah. She says positively. <laughs> no, it is. And I do. I think when if you read, you know, the blurb of this book, you might think, oh, God, I don't know if I can, you know, handle all those topics that are, that are sort of being discussed. And yet it's, it isn't a bleak book. Or I didn't think so. I really enjoyed it. Um, you, you sort of alluded to Margate as being this uh, gentrified or certainly becoming even more gentrified place now. Um, what? What was it that that brought you to you know to Margate as the sort of setting and in and indeed almost like a character of its own in this book? Yeah, and actually, when my um my agent had a kind of autocorrect on Margate, so she'd often call it Margaret in our emails, which I found really funny. Um, but what's yeah, Margaret and up again, to? I was talking, yeah, I was talking about the kind of rapid speed gentrification that's happening now. But really, Margate's history is the, the best kind of metaphor, and the most apt one too would be a roller coaster. So you know, it's this. It, it was kind of a, a Georgia like Regency, the, the pioneer of the British seaside, very grand, and then it kind of became very popular through the, the mid half of the century. And then fell into, you know, when cheap flights, um, when cheap flights kind of stole, like not stole, but, you know, tempted, lured British holidaymakers to Europe and other places, it fell into kind of disrepair and, and was used, I hate this phrase, but it really is it's a kind of, it was used as a dumping ground for like problem families that London wanted to get rid of. And now, and then, you know, artists come and it goes through another cycle of com- of coming up again and again to use those phrases of up and down they're kind of ridiculous but it doesn't make it hard to imagine its future when you look at its past particularly with the kind of rising threat of sea level so so Margate because you know it I think it's one of the most extreme um emblems of, of the British seaside in its in its extremity you know the British seaside like everyone's been holidaying there this summer there have been hot days holidays fine days and then there have been days of great bleakness and rain so I think that's something I've always been obsessed with and I also think it's like it's such a beautiful place too but it's a place of extremes and 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 that extremity and the kind of side by side of 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 hope and despair is what really attracted me to the place and in t- I know it well I, I live in Ramsgate just around the corner my parents moved there 10 years ago we've been going since I was a kid so it's what I knew as well but I found it to be the right place to set this book for all of those other reasons too. Yeah, completely get that. Um, I'm going to come back and talk a bit, a bit more about Margaret and, and also some of the other themes in, in your book. Margaret. Margaret will have her mm. moment a little later on. Um, Kath, can you um, tell us a little bit book, about... I by the... the way. I have actually read Rose's book and I just think it's amazing. And, uh, and I also feel like it, you know, set in the near future, but with this ridiculous government and what's happening with refugees it can feels it just feels like reading the news really <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a very timely book and um I, yes and i think it's interesting it came out in april 21 but obviously the the spark of this idea rosa probably came in what 2020 was it 
earlier than uh, uh, No, I'd call it um, seven or eight years ago, unfortunately. <gasps> wow. Wow. Someone right. did ask me, did you write it in lockdown? And I was like, absolutely fucking not. I wish I did. Sorry for the, the swearing. Um, and I just want to say in return, like I had the great pleasure of reading The Ormering Tide too before it came out. And it's a, sur- a super, sub book. It's a superb book. Um, like, well, I'll let Catherine, I'll let you talk about it first, but just want to endorse it. No, why don't you just talk about it? Because you're so good at talking. It would be. You're so good at talking. <laughs> if I could just get you to uh, just, you know, book tour my book as well as yours. In fact, <laughs> shall I just like put a little post it and put your name on it? It'd probably, probably do very well if you could talk about it. <laughs> um, well, why don't you set it up for us, um, Catherine? My book. Well, it's not set in Margate. <laughs> um, it's set on a on a fictional Channel Island, um, sort of around the Second World War time, and it's it's kind of a small cast on an island. I mean, the whole point is it's my first book, so I needed to just keep a hold of all the characters and all the places, so um, I could make them real. And um, for for me, it was. Uh, it was a story that I wanted to tell for a a, a lot of years and mm. I didn't want to be one of those arseholy people who 10 years later was saying, oh, I'm writing a book. But I had to learn on the way, you know, I'm not, I'm not a bear of big brains or anything. So I had to just learn on the job and keep writing and understanding the pleasure and pain of editing and rewriting yeah. and cutting things down and making timelines shorter so it's um <laughs> uh, the narrator is Roselle and she lives with uh, her three older brothers who are triplets and their parents on an island and they live in a house that's not theirs and their their landlord is this old guy Mr Willow who all the kids find creepy and the parents sort of say no, he's okay, you know, you're just, you're just being silly. And uh, the oldest of the triplets goes missing, John, and then it's sort of the unfolding of that, but it's all told through Roselle's eyes and how she sees the world, which is kind of quite magical and poetic and mm. just... Um, and it sort of travels through her just going from child to sort of adult and and the sort of... The, the slow decay of that magic that she starts with at the beginning. So by the end, the, a lot of the poetic prose is lost. <laughs> and with regards to the title, The Oaring Tide, did you, am I right in thinking you got that from, from Jersey when you were visiting there? Yeah, so my husband's from Jersey and uh, we visit there a lot. And um, right. there's a place in Jersey called uh, Wayney. Um, and that's where the first imaginings of the book came. Like my husband was saying that there used to be a a woman called Mrs. Brown who lived on the cliff and she used to cycle to her house. And then he was like, oh, well, that would have been her name um, if she hadn't have been stood up at the altar. And she took on she took on what would have been her married name and it was like a, a minute's sort of chat together by the sea and yeah. it just kept kept going on and on and then I tried to sort of write her story quite a few times and then it sort of became like a sort of ghost story and then it evolved and then 
I started writing in the character of Rizal and um, and everything sort of came to life. Right. And thinking of your previous book, Rosa, Sark is the only Channel Island that I haven't actually, I haven't been to. So I need an excuse to go. Well, you're going to have go. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you been to the others? I have. I've been to Jersey and Guernsey. I haven't been to... Yeah, those are the, those haven't been to Alderney. Um mm. But yeah, that was another thing we had in common when we met. It was just like, what's the kind of like? I mean, I'm obsessed with Ireland too, and they kind of they have, they have suffused through all my work. But I think I think I don't know. There's a kind of shared sensibility there in some ways, and I think what's so extraordinary for anyone who does read um, Catherine's book is, I mean, this won't surprise you if you know her her songwriting, but it really is. It feels like a novel written by. A poet right like she's able to kind of rewrite the world with mm. this incredible freshness that never feel like it just it's just extraordinary these these curling twisting sentences and and without that being kind of vague or abstract it's always pinned down with this kind of solidity um yeah it's it's th- there are just perfect sentences in that book that couldn't really have come from any other mind oh my god Rosa, stick that just... on the front cover eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you can just see from Rose's talking about my book and making it sound better than it actually is what a great writer <laughs> she is. <laughs> oh, but this we're not doing it right, Catherine. We're going to have to start, we have to start being really aggressive to each other, like physical insults and things like that. Don't you think that'd be better? Yes, yeah, she's a brilliant writer, but I've heard she's shit in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you? I've done made people sign so many NDAs about this. This is not okay. <laughs> It's just on the dark web. <laughs> um, did talk, talking about your songwriting, as Rose has mentioned it, Kath, did you was the was the writing? I mean, obviously, it's a very it's a different art form. But was the writing process different for you approaching this rather than say when you're working on an album? Yeah, <laughs> it's really really hard writing a book. It's um, just <laughs> just the. Uh, you know the volume of it I mean writing songs they can they can vary between taking half an hour and half a year um but Mm. but the actual volume of a song you know you can usually fit it on one page um the the amount of writing and it's a and it's a really different sensibility in the same way as with poetry like you know you're almost making space food that can sort of expand when you write in a book you, you can go into the detail and you can you can sort of stretch out a minute or you know and 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 you're and you're traveling through it's like it's the difference between spending a day with someone and a year with someone you know like you have to sustain that relationship when you're writing a book and you have to keep coming back and you have to make sacrifices i mean i do a lot of editing of other people's songs and when i co-write so i know the pleasure and pain of of like tightening things up but um yeah i cut like something like forty thousand words out of this book at one point oh wow and, um wow and it was was really 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 painful because i was like god how many how many days is that spent on my own you know how much work was that but yeah i mean people yeah. who write books will be like yeah that is what it is you idiot but yeah writing <laughs> writing songs is just something that's always you know it's always been easy uh and it's a, yeah because there'll be a lot of people kathy think you know i i couldn't write a song you know 
write, writing songs is like there might be a lot of authors who think, well, I couldn't write a song. Sure, I'll give you 100,000 words and tell you a great story, but I couldn't condense that to three and a half minutes. You know, So it's, 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 it's learning a whole new skill, isn't it? It is learning a whole new skill, and uh, you know this is this is my debut, and I'm I you know I I sort of have this even now I'm sort of feeling like oh I shouldn't be here you know that sort of um, imposter syndrome which I had with songwriting for the first fifteen years where I told people that I had a different job until I started writing songs for other artists and then finally admitted that I was a songwriter. And now I've written a book, but I'm sort of embarrassed to say that I've written a book. Uh, I don't know what it is about me, but I just... But I've... Yeah, I think the thing with... I've always been a massive reader and lover of novels and memoirs and... um, poetry and it sort of I came through the back door with um I had a uh I got asked to to write a series of songs for um New Writing North for the Durham Book Festival um yeah. to commemorate Sylvia Plath and so I wrote an album called Hypoxia which was based on the bell jar and that was really interesting that was my first collaboration with with a writer um, albeit dead, <laughs> uh, it gets harder when they're alive. And then, and then the 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 next collaboration was with uh, Laura Barnett, who um, who wrote a a novel called Greatest Hits, which was a sort of oh, imagined, that's right. yeah, I remember that kind of Kate Bush character. And I wrote so each chapter in that was a was a a song on her greatest hits album so she asked me to write those songs with her and i wrote an album that that sat alongside that so that was really interesting and then i've been working with caroline for the past few years which has has been amazing like you know you just get get a page of lyrics sent and and then she says do whatever you want with them to make (laughs) it a song and it's like oh my god are you Really, <laughs> you're really for real. Um, yeah. And this is something that will be coming out later in the year, is it? Yes, yeah, so it's coming out in November. That's been an ongoing project. Um, I went up to Moniac Moor, which is the Scotland's creative writing where I've tutored. It used to be part of Arvon, and then it became Scotland's uh, independent one. And um, I spent a week up there writing um, Christmas carols with Caroline and she had uh, Jackie Kay and lots of other writers. Christmas Carols is a really good name for the album though, Christmas Carol. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> That's <Carol>. very good. <laughs> it is very good. And um <clears throat> I still want you to be my uh, manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the uh, can we just spare a moment for Jackie Kay who was on this podcast a, a couple of series ago who's just wonderful, isn't she? Just an absolutely brilliant brilliant writer. Well, she she's amazing. I mean, I, I saw her about a week and a half ago. I did a show with her and Caroline in Manchester. Um, and uh, then we ended up back in my hotel room and uh, getting very drunk and jumping on the bed and laughing. And we got told <laughs> off by, by the hotel. Um, and, uh, yeah, they knocked on the door and it was like two in the morning and there was me and Caroline and Jackie and um, Denise, Jackie's partner. 
And uh, I opened the door a crack and they were like, can you keep the noise down? We've had lots of complaints. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I hate being told off. And then I shut the door and then I was thinking, I should have told them <laughs> who was making the noise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Well, she's ace. And that's, I mean, yeah, what a, you've, you've got so much on, haven't you, Kath? You've got so much on. Um, Rosa, just before we move on. Boring I to old come back Rosa to... with no hotel stories. I haven't stayed in a hotel for so long. That sounds so much fun. You, you do need a hotel story. I need to throw some TVs out the window with a famous friend. <laughs> Joe, we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, I'll meet you at the Travelodge by King's Cross in about half an hour. Okay? No, that sounds that sounds incredibly risque, and I didn't mean it like that in the slightest. Um, That's how we met. (laughs) What were you gonna What were you gonna say, Joe? Sorry. Oh, before we we move on to talk about um, other people's books, I sort of touched on this a little bit earlier about dreamland rosa and it's that the backdrop of the book is you know it has this sort of looming environmental disaster about it it's about divide and equality and i wondered what your sort of hope for that readers would take away from the novel i suppose what did you hope that having read it someone might think about or have learnt about yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting one. I, I, I don't like kind of moralistic, like didactic books, I guess. So so really it is just like it's a story where, where things happen without there being kind of judgments presented either of like characters or uh, I mean, I think it's quite. Yeah, the, the political structure is definitely there. There's definitely criticism within the book about that. But it's it's a it's a story, a big story. And then at the end, there's an author's note. Um, and the uh, sorry, I've lost my voice. It's the emotion of the moment. Um, at the beginning of writing the book, it was really just one line, and it was just about talking about the volume of families that have been um, sent to that, what shipped away from London basically in in the last like ten years. But I really realised that because so much of the novel is set based on contemporary policies which are already in play, be they related to um, austerity measures or the environment, I really wanted to, to write those down. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting how people have reacted to it because some people do feel quite hopeful at the end of the book, like, and other people feel a great sense of despondence. Despondence is definitely not what I wanted to um, invoke. And I, I do think that dystopia is a kind of, it's an interesting mode and it's, it's interesting that how that we are some people really aren't drawn to it right now and some people really are Um, and those who are like there can be a stoicism that you think through terrible things and it allows you to kind of process them in some way there can be an element which is um, relief because the current situation we're in is less bad than what it could be but I think the third one is the most important one and that is that it can really um, give you a a shock and a sense of like I don't want that to happen we cannot let that happen and so we have to fight in some way um I don't think you know like I would love the book to be a call to arms I don't have kind of delusions of grandeur along those lines but but yeah I think I think all I I, you know I one one of the thing I I really think is important to say too. people say it's like a a climate change novel people talk about cli-fi and things like this all books which are contemporary which were written in the last 10 years which will be written in the years that come they are all cli-fi. I mean, that just it's going to have to become a bigger term that embraces all fiction yeah. because that is the truth of what we are living through. I've I've not heard cli-fi before. Am I am I are you ahead of the curve or of curve I, or am no, I behind? I think I mean, it's kind of 
growing a growing like school of it and I have no issues with the phrase I think it's useful I just think that like we can't bucket books into that and kind of keep them aside as as, as a distinct thing from real life because we are living we are this is it's now it's just and like any book that's set now is set against that backdrop mm-hmm. yeah and one thing I I did love about reading both your books is because I grew up uh, by the sea and I don't live by the sea currently I live in a city but it was so nice to uh, as it always is to read books about water and about the sea and I think uh, especially in 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 yours Kath the sea you know it it made it's it's sort of a big part of it and it it made me desperately miss it even more <laughs> yeah well I, I mean the the Yormring tide itself people keep asking me about the title of it and um uh, just to clarify in case people are thinking what what's she on about it's like uh there's two points in the year in jersey where um <laughs> the sea goes it 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 pulls right back out and is really shallow and shimmering and um they're the two times in the year where it's legal to um fish for ormers which are a kind of sort of abalone shellfish and they're really sort of rough and rocky on the outside and inside they've got um a magical sort of mother of pearl shell which has been used for like furniture inlays over the years and um and uh, and then a sweet sort of mm. tasty sort of chickeny <laughs> porky sort of uh, shellfishy <laughs> thing that you can eat which um i know that neil's gran my husband's uh gran used to he said that her cooking sort of involved things just boiling for hours and hours but um i don't think they do that in posh restaurants but yeah so um so i just really love the idea i've always <laughs> loved the idea of um of of tides and and that when they when they go out it that just just the idea of secrets being on like unearthed and shown and then coming back and I, recently taken up on uh i've recently taken up surfing and um and i just find it sort of mesmerizing watching the uh watching the waves and 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 choosing which one to go for um and i find the sea quite sort of frightening um for 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 the sort of what i think is predictable and then what what is very very unpredictable (laughs) yeah 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 i love to think of you surfing that's so cool yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that with the with the kids over lockdown and stuff. We live quite where well, we live about twenty minutes from the sea, and uh, you know it's just it's just there's been sort of good things that have happened with with lockdown, like just the discovering of all these places nearby, and and I feel like we have sort of gone back in time in a beautiful way where people are river swimming and taking taking walks and. I've just I've just loved all of that like sort of slowing down of uh, seeing people just like walking on an evening by the river and <laughs> it's like it's like we've all time travelled. Yeah, I've been wearing a bonnet as well, like a kind of Victorian bonnet. No, <laughs> not joking. <laughs> Have you been going down in one of those all-in-one bathing suits as no, well? No, but I am doing a renovation at the moment and I do look like I've been like climbing up chimneys a lot of the time, so, yeah. Um, 
Well, we, we've talked about your two brilliant books, and I thoroughly recommend them to, to everyone listening. Um, time to talk about some other people's books, because Ooh. they also exist. <laughs> yeah. um, what have you found yourself reading and enjoying recently? Rosa, do you have some recommendations for us? I, yeah, <laughs> I suffer from that disease that I think a lot of people have where I literally, when that question is asked, like all books I've ever read over the course of my life have disappeared. Um, War and Peace, I think. Uh... Yeah, is that like maybe the book off, I think. Um, no, there have been so many tremendous books um, out this year. Uh, I was going to talk about Catherine's now, but like I already did that. So boo to Catherine. Um, I think um, Assembly by Natasha Brown, if you haven't read that, I read it over the course of the evening. And what I think about that book is like, I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to garble this in a terrible way. But like, it feels like it's got the kind of atomic structure of a bomb in that it's 100 pages long, but it just explodes and it's so much bigger than its literal size. Um, it's very beautiful, um, awful, harrowing, just great. Um, Detransition Baby, have either of you guys read that? No. Um, it's a kind of modern, complex love triangle, I guess. And, and it has something I really appreciate so much in contemporary literature, which is relatively rare, where it's kind of both sharp and nothing gets past its kind of like scalpel. And yet it's kind of intensely tender and sincere. So Assembly by Natasha Brown, Detransition Baby by Tori, Tori Peters. But... I actually really realised when I was thinking about this that some of the writing that has struck me most in the past year is definitely writing for TV and I realised that this isn't TV off but I think that even the kind of like the scripts of these shows would be incredible and that would be Ashingby, This Way Up, Mae Martin, Feel Good and Kaylee Llewellyn with In My Skin um, and they're just so funny, they're so close but they're so moving to the point of like feeling that shooting pain behind the back of your eyes um you know so so there's just I think it's actually just it's there are maybe times and I think it's often to do with attention span where you you feel like out of kilter with work that's coming out and you don't like you can't find something that really resonates with you I think now is such an exciting time there's so many there's so much wonderful writing um and yeah, yeah it it feels I think particularly like young well not, and not necessarily young but um women writers just there's so many electrically good voices. Yeah, I agree with that. And thank you for those recommendations. That's a, that's a great spread of books that I've been noting down. Uh, what about you, Kath? Have you been reading much recently? And if so, is there anything you'd like to yeah, shout about? Well, um, yeah, I have been reading a lot. And I think that that's another thing that's there's, there's the slowing down of time has allowed. You know, a lot of the time I've read poetry so that I can snatch... Uh, three or four poems and then take them and chew them through the day but uh, there's been time for so much more novel reading I, I really love, um, do you know Patricia Lockwood uh, I, I got into her poetry um, first yeah. of all from um, the zoo that was printed in the New Yorker and then I've got all of her collections of poetry and then I read her uh, That's right. yeah. her amazing memoir Priest Daddy and then so so she just had her first sort of novel out which is called No One's Talking About This I think it got nominated for a prize I think and um I think it's on the women's prize shortlist oh is it I don't know about that stuff <laughs> um anyways it it's 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 an amazing read she's sort of acerbically 
um, hilarious and shocking and touching. And she has uh, she has a voice like no other, really. And um, I found that sort of chaotic. Um, I found it a chaotic read in the same way as just being bombarded by social media and that's kind of what it's all about, what we're ingesting all the time and um, and flitting from like a second of watching, you know, people being blown up to, you know, a, a monkey's arse making a funny walk or... Uh, anyway, just, I, I just love, I just love that, that this book exists and that, that it, it does, it does sort of really reflect back to you the sort of psyche of what we are all doing with ourselves and social media I thought that was amazing and then there's a book by Selena Godden mm. Mrs Death Mrs Death which um I absolutely love yeah it's brilliant yeah brilliant another vote for that too she was um when I was uh, a judge uh, on the Ted Hughes Poetry Prize uh, we chose her for for her audio um of of a collection of her sort of live I think it was called live wire of her poems and and we've been we've written together and she's an amazing force um and this 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 novel's just so brilliant and I just love the idea of of like death being this like black old woman that's sort of completely invisible and ignored by people and um I just feel like it's sort of a beautiful book for now and what everyone's been through and losses and I love that she's left pages at the end for people to write things down about people that they they miss or they've lost and um yeah I think she's I think she's an amazing writer and then uh Max Porter I just uh reread Lanny because it's such a short book and and I read it a little while Oof. ago and I, and I found it amazing and then I it kept coming back into my memory, but yeah, I've I've been doing I've been doing a lot of lot of readings. Three books, okay for now. <laughs> I feel like I've talked too much. Oh, that's a, that's brilliant. And Lanny is oh goodness, it's um I don't I I'm I sort of want to read it again, but don't know if I can. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's it's in that same sort of realm as as Rose's book, where like it it's 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 tackling and dealing with like like almost the, the your worst fears and the and like you know if you were to describe mm. it to someone else that book um and rose's book you know it could be like oh i'm not sure that sounds a bit too much but it in the reading of it there's so much beauty in the in the delivery and in the and in the minutiae of 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 just description and relationship and, and and all those moments where you feel as a reader that that you've discovered what is going on between the characters you know you haven't been told that by the writer and I, and I love that sort yeah. of that book yeah yeah and similarly with um grief is a thing with feathers which was his first book it's it's the I suppose that's the same sort of things there's so much beauty in the sadness um of that writing but well three wonderful choices there from you Catherine so thank you so much and thank you both for those recommend you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection blue nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now it's time for the book off, where each of you is going to pitch us a book that you love and that you think we should all read. Um, before we get to that, let's find out which books are going up against each other today. Rosa, which book are you putting up for the book off? Yeah, it's um, it's an 18th century French uh, but No, I'm joking. Um, I've chosen World <laughs> War Z by Max Brooks. Fantastic. And Kath, what are you going for? I've gone very similar. <laughs> I've gone for I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith. Fantastic. The thing is, though, Joe, like, I'm actually really happy to back out of the fight at this moment because I think that is a superb book and should just win all <laughs> things. So this is, I'll, I'll do, I mean, I'll do it for the, for the, for, you know, for, because it is the premise of the entire podcast. But I think Dodie Smith wins everything. So you're, you're already calling it, are you? Is I'm already that, calling it. Yeah, yeah, it's Dodie. Yeah. Like I write this sitting in the kitchen sink, man. I'm, 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 I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's now extra pressure on you, Catherine, to make sure that that happens. Um, would you, Rosa, like to go first or second? I would like to go second, please. Oh, you bastard! Okay, okay. I don't know if Catherine's going to have tricks. Like she might, she might sing. She might have turned it into song. You need form. to know what you're I up against. I get it. I hate you. I get it. And Catherine, uh, you have three minutes on the clock, which you don't have to use if you don't want to. But if you go over the three minutes, I'll either be ringing you out the school bell or honking you out with the horn. So which one would you like for your um, three I minutes? I definitely want the honk. Um, <laughs> I thought you might want the horn. I don't know do why. Do you want like a sort of synopsis of it for people who haven't read it? Or do you want me to just like say the title that is up to you that's up to you (laughs) okay you just it's it's however you want to use your three minutes to to tell us about the book sure for those that that may not know it and also why you think we should all read it so it's totally up to you uh i'll put the three minutes on the clock now and we will be quiet well i think rose will start making noises know, to you off, but i'll be quiet uh it's three <laughs> minutes on the clock to tell us about i capture the castle over to you well i've got my copy in front of me which was bought in shakespeare and company which uh was one of the reasons because i know of rose's uh connection with it so it's written it was written i think it was published in 1948 it's by dodie smith who if you think i know that name she read she went on to write 101 dalmatians but this book is way better 
Um, it was her first novel and um, she wrote it when she'd moved to California with her husband and um, I think she was really homesick. So the, the book has like a um, sort of a rose-tinted uh, nostalgia about it um, in a similar way to the Kinks Village Green Preservation Society album. Um, it's first person narrated. Um, it's a girl called Cassandra and... Um, she lives, uh, she's in a family, they're kind of eccentric, they're called the Mortmains and they live in this castle that is falling to pieces uh, in kind of genteel poverty. If you think of like the Grey Gardens documentary, you're sort of there. Um, her dad had been a famous author, he'd written a book, I think it was called Jacob's Wrestling and uh, it was it was considered a difficult modernist novel. And now he's got writer's block and he hasn't produced anything for years. And the family are all, um, they're sort of, uh, they're selling off furniture to pay for things. And he's always in his room writing or they think he's writing, but they don't know. And no one will go in. And every day he's just there. And they're just all wishing and praying that he is writing. And the book is told through Cassandra, who writes in her in her um, uh, book, um, she sort of she's sort of writing everything down in the book. So you're hearing what's happening with the family and the dad who isn't writing through her book, and it's a story that begins when there's an American uh, family called the Cottons, and they're in a big hall. I think it's Scopney Hall, and um, these two men. Simon and Neil come, who are Americans, and her sister Rose, um, who is considered the beauty, uh, who desperately wants to marry someone rich, um, falls in love. And Cassandra is also feeling things because it's a coming of age. And I just love, I just love all the characters in it. There's like Topaz, who is like um, the dad's partner, and she's like this artist model who walks around naked in in a robe and. Uh, yeah, and there's and there's like sort of romances, but Cassandra's sort of she sort of never works out. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't come to a conclusion or a happy ending, but it's just all of these feelings that she denies, and then oh yeah, <laughs> woo 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 woo! I don't know, is that any good? Brilliant, yeah, that was great. Also, you got loads in there. I just want to say there. that I know that Catherine is organised for the builders to be making loud construction noises outside of my apartment now. Thank you for nothing, <laughs> Catherine. <sighs> that was a lot of effort gone into making that happen at exactly this time, but it's paid she off. She paid hundreds and thousands of pounds for it, which I think yeah. was a waste of money, frankly. Yeah. But the, po- you've the already, podcast uh, is really You've already given it so. to, to her, so it's like it's a pointless exactly. waste of money. <laughs> um, that was brilliant, Catherine. We'll come back and talk about I Capture the Castle just a little bit more shortly. You can have a little breather now because it's over to you Rosa with three minutes back on the clock and it's over to you to tell us about World War Z. Okay so I was saying that um, through the pandemic people have either like lent in or lent away from disasters and dystopias. I personally lent in. I was alone through lockdown and still ended up like watching Outbreak even though it's like a terrible film. Um, So anyway, someone on Instagram recommended their top like dystopian recommendations and number one with rapturous praise was World War Z. Um, So a little caveat here, I don't see myself, I don't see myself as a zombie person. Um, Realism is kind of very, very important to me. Um, 
but I started reading and I'll come to like what it's about but I texted my girlfriend straight away and I said I'm reading a book you will absolutely love and it's World War Z and she was like yeah yeah it's insanely good and I was just like why didn't you tell me about it do you hate me um, which is why I feel kind of very evangelical about it now as if it's this hidden secret which is obviously ironic because it did sell over two million copies and was made into a film with a little known actor called Brad Pitt but still when I mention it to people they're kind of like really World War Z um, but anyway yes really um, the full title is World War Z an oral history of the zombie war and that's what it is it's kind of set 10 years after the worst of the war um, and, and the author has compiled a series of kind of testimonies and interviews with survivors who in these kind of slices of story tell what's happened and in the simpler sense what I love about it it is the sheer feat of imagination. Um, it's hard to create a kind of voice and backstory for one narrator that takes us through the length of a novel, let alone the kind of 50 or 60 that, that are here. Um, and the world building and detail is just extraordinary because he doesn't just build one world, he really takes us around the world. It's a global view of the war. We move from China um, to Ukraine, to the States, to Cuba, to Britain, to, to, to Tibet, to Kuwait, Israel. Um, and I am like, I'm a very ignorant person, so maybe I'm overly impressed by these things, but the research that's gone into the kind of geopolitics is extraordinary. And also, it's not just the voices which are distinct or the places which are distinct, it's his angles that he puts on the scenario within each place. You have like the peddler of bogus miracle drugs, you have the knock-on psychological disorders, you have the kind of security guard who's um, protecting a celebrity kind of compound, a filmmaker who's roped into making propaganda. Um, and they all kind of operate almost as, a, uh, as short stories, like with a twist or at least a kind of subversion of expectation. So yeah, it just feels like it's imagination upon imagination upon imagination. Um, it may not be always beautifully written in the same way of uh, Dodie Smith, but it's kind of flawlessly written and there's nothing where you feel like, wow, that's a flat-footed line or there's somehow really no exposition. Um, and so I think it kind of achieves a transcendence um, in, yeah, imagination, scope, how it touches upon the human condition, the, the like sheer ambition of it. And I can't guarantee this because I'm not Max Brooks, unfortunately, for my bank statement and self-esteem, but it just feels like it was immensely fun to write and that's what makes it so fun to read that's what makes it fun to read Yay! brilliant my god you're brilliant well done oh fantastic that was really well done you really sold it um We'll come back and, and, and talk about it very briefly in a moment. I want to come back to I Capture the Castle, which many people listening will have read. Some will not have read. Um, I loved how you <laughs> you said that, uh, oh, if you've heard of uh, Tony Smith, it's because she wrote 101 Dalmatians, but this is better. Um, and your sort of description of it was so lovely. It made me it made me think, gosh, yeah, I should read that again because it's been a while. Um, and that that you used you used a, a genteel poverty as a description which i just thought was so lovely and this idea of a sort of rose tinted nostalgia likened to a to the kinks album um wonderful just beautiful imagery and it, it it's all about the characters for me that book and you sort of sold those characters in as well to the listeners it's about it's about their you know what they're going through and you sort of live with them through the pages um I also wrote down naked. Why did I write that down? Uh, oh, yes, you, because of, uh, yes. Um, Topaz. Thingy Bob walking around. Yeah. 
the topaz walking around. That's right. Sorry, just obviously distracted myself. It was yeah. It's a lovely pitch, and it really is a wonderful book, isn't it? Yeah, and there's and all of the characters in it. Um, I mean, I really like that it centres really. In, in the way the moat goes around the castle, it's sort of centred around that family. And then, you know, the, the, it's a mm. sister relationship and the, the relationship of, like, the father who closes himself off, which is also about the castle and the moat and her coming of age. And, like, yes. Yes. there's just so many characters in it, like Stephen, who is the, like, living um, servant, who I think was the late, the late maid's son and he still lives with them and works with them and he's desperately in love with Cassandra and there's always like there's all these like little things references of books all the time and like he sort of he sort of plagiarizes poets to impress Cassandra and she sort of finds it really embarrassing as if he thinks she wouldn't know the poetry and like Rose, the, her sister and her are always like having discussions of like, which is better, Jane Austen or Charlotte Bronte. And um, I just love all the interconnections of like books. And it's someone who obviously looks, loves books and putting those nice mm. different references of, of like almost in a meta way um, of, of, all the points of being a writer and those moments of like, you know, writer's block and then secretly writing in a journal and then finding your life through uh, through the novels and, you know, like finding peace and and calm i think cassandra's always talking to the to the vicar about like crazy books that she she finds really calming and i just um i just i just love all the sort of unfolding of it and you know it was written such a long time yeah. ago but it feels so fresh and oh she's my God, such it a... feels so fresh like and i actually was i look back at my email i wrote to you when i read your book catherine and i compared it to i Catch the castle without actually knowing that you loved that book um I just want to confirm that too. Like, I, I actually don't think we should waste any more time on zombies because I remember the fact, like, I remember picking up a copy of I Catch the Castle. Maybe I was like 18, 19. I've read it through like three or four times through my life, and it is just pretty much a perfect novel. And I, I mentioned that first line, but the way Cassandra like explodes into being, like, she opens the novel and she's sitting in the kitchen sink, and that's where she does her best work. She's found this kind of like perfect, precarious place to, to write. And it's just, it's a combination of self aware and so kind of naive and innocent. And you find the story and the kind of interstice between what she's saying and what's really happening. And it's just glorious. So, yeah, yeah I just love it. Um, it is, and it was it was a lovely pitch, and it's great that you also love it, um, Rosa. And to your pitch, um, World War Z, and I don't know this book. I know that's bad of me. Well, I, I sort of I did know of it, you know, but because it's obviously a very popular book, but I haven't read it, and I really want to now because the way that you were talking about it, and you, you know that you had to be evangelical about it because although it has sold x millions of copies you know there are lots of people who don't know about it i think the idea of this um you know all these characters and the that the each has this a backstory and they all operate as sort of short stories really appeals to me i just think like a really great cast of characters that are telling this story and and you mentioned that the research was really strong as well it sounds like an ambitious novel that has you know, that has paid off, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's written in 2006, so post kind of um, SARS, I guess, but 
it's an int- it's, it, I think lots of people have kind of reread it now because it is about a virus outbreak that starts in China of all places. Um, so it's kind of, it, it's, it's, it's interesting from a kind of contemporary lens too. Um, it was inspired by Studs, Turk- Studs Turkle's um, Good War, which is a kind of an oral history, I mean, a non-fiction oral history of, of the first war interviewing survivors 30, 40 years after it. But it just, I think it is, like, the ambition of it, I, 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 yeah, it's ambition and imagination that's really like all I can say about it. And I haven't read this yet, but I know it was on old Barack Obama's um, kind of hits of the summer, but I think, is it Ministry for the Future? Um, which I think is a, a similar type of, it reads like nonfiction. It's presented as like verbatim, authentic, realistic fact. Yeah, um, right, and that, right, you know, yeah. that has the potential to go really wrong if it's done badly. But when it's done well, you do just, you get all of the kind of, yeah, solidity that you feel. I mean, sometimes I can find it hard to read fiction at the moment. Like, it can feel mm. kind of, um, not pointless. I mean, I, I like I said, there have been so many wonderful books this year, but you get all of the kind of nuggetiness of reading a New Yorker article um, and that feeling of truth and authenticity whilst being occasionally just kind of flabbergasted that it's come from someone's research and imagination. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And um, I thought they were both wonderful pictures. I think uh, many people listening will want to read both of these if they haven't read either already. Uh, but I've got to pick one to take home. And do you know what? It's it's you, Rosa. It's well yes! yes, I'm on my knees. I'm scooting across the floor. No, I'm not. I'd get caught. And I think, but... I think, Kath, what she did there was very clever, wasn't it, by saying at the beginning, oh, I think that I Capture the Castle should, w- should win. It's almost like it, it was done on purpose. to. Put I haven't on. actually read I Capture the Castle. It was all part of my strategy. Yeah. yeah it's uh, re- reverse psychology. <laughs> Yeah, it worked. But actually, no, I think I think a lot of people will have read I Capture the Castle, and I would absolutely encourage people who haven't to go and do so. In fact, and you made me, Catherine, want to go and read it again. But World War Z feels just so different and interesting and maybe relevant right now. I think that um, I've got to go and pick that up. So thank you. Do let me know much. what you think. And if you hate it, I will not be offering refunds. So, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 <laughs> 
The Ormering Tide by Catherine Williams is out now. It's published by Wrecking Ball Press. And Dreamland by Rosa Rankin G is also out now. It's published by Simon & Schuster. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, have a lovely rest of September. Thank you, Jones, and, and, and lots of love to you, Catherine. I'm giving you all a hug. Oh, my God, I'm so oh, bad at ending too. things like this. I just don't know what to say or do, but here we are. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Bye. Love you. No, Bye. you hang up. <laughs> <laughs>